0: Father, we thank you for this time, this series that we've been in. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that we are just getting to look at Joseph's life, and I know for many of us, we can confidently say that Joseph had it a lot worse. So I, I thank you, Lord, for just using this person to be able to inspire us and show us how to deal with offense and adversity the way that he did. And I just pray, Lord, that as I speak today, that my words would be your words, and that your Holy Spirit would be here with us, that you would minister to us, that you would teach us, that you would guide us, that you would encourage us in the areas that we need to be encouraged in, but as well to rebuke us in the areas that we need correction in. So we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, and all of God's people said, amen. All right, I'm going to work on you guys. I think you're you're used to me not being up here a week, and the amens felt a little rusty. So hopefully by the end of the service, they'll be loud and proud again. Well, I don't know about you, but uh, maybe you've heard at some point in your life the story of King Midas. And if you don't know it, it's a Greek legend. And um, the story teaches a lot of moral lessons of the importance of, of not taking things for granted. But kind of the main theme of this story is, is that King Midas is given a special gift that whatever he touches turns to... Gold. It turns to gold. And we oftentimes think of King Midas and use the phrase that someone has the Midas touch when they appear gifted at being able to work on something and maybe make it better or fix it. And we all probably know somebody that has this gift in such a way that it seems like when they put their hands to the plow, things go well. Well, over this last vacation, which I want to let you guys know it was a good one over I ended up gaining a new nickname for myself and no it wasn't King Midas it was reverse Midas so I gained the gift of the reverse Midas touch over my vacation because it seemed like everything I did somehow made it worse and this happened over and over and over again to the point where people started just saying Kevin has the reverse Midas touch and it eventually became Came a funny thing. But in the moment, as you can imagine, it could feel demoralizing to think that you're trying to make something better, but you only make it worse. And I'm sure there's a moment in your guys' life where you've probably felt similarly, right? Where you, with good intentions, tried to do something and hopefully make it better and to only find out that you make it worse. Well, that happened to me especially on Sunday this past week. So while you guys were all in enjoying a good word from scripture here with with Pastor Chuck. I had the p- privilege of heading out to uh, Rocky Mountain National Park, and while I was there, I lost my, I, I left my phone at home, so I didn't have the tickets to get in. I lost, because I lost my phone, I didn't have the ability to go on the bus, and then I'm literally, everything's unfolding, and then I finally make it into Rocky Mountain National Park. I get somehow left with the two kids, and apart from everybody, I'm lost in, in, in Rocky Mountain National Park. (laughs) (laughs) So thankfully, because of this wonderful app on my phone called All Trails, I was able to get back on the path and make it out okay. But that felt like a reverse Midas touch situation in my life. And maybe you are dealing with your own reverse Midas touch situation. Maybe it's not even a season. It feels like years of reverse Midas touch. But I wonder if this is what Joseph felt like. I wonder if that's what he thought at certain points in his life. His own life when things just seemed to get worse and worse and worse. And even though he would apply himself, oftentimes he would find himself getting into more trouble. Well today we're going to continue with what I think might have felt like a reverse Midas touch situation for Joseph. So just to keep you guys up to speed on what happened last, you may remember that Joseph was sold into slavery by his wonderful loving brothers, Um, and after being sold into slavery, he ends up in Potiphar's house. Things start to go well for Joseph there despite his situation, and he's elevated to a position there where he's basically head housekeeper over Potiphar's household until Potiphar's wicked wife decides to make a move on Joseph to which he runs away and is framed for being an evil person and as a result is thrown from slavery into prison. So now that is where we are at. Joseph has been thrown into prison for the crime of trying to honor God and not commit adultery. So it's there that we find Joseph. So Joseph is in prison for quite some time when there's two gentlemen that also enter into prison with him. If you didn't know, Joseph is in a special prison in the land of Egypt where royal officials put their prisoners. So these two men end up entering into the prison with Joseph. One is a cupbearer. A cup bearer during that time had a very, very, very important job. It sounds like a lame job. I oftentimes feel like I'm a cup bearer for my kids because I'm always holding their bottles and trying to feed them with it. But in this time and world, a cup bearer would have been incredibly important. Because this was the person who had the special role of giving the cup or chalice to the king or the pharaoh. And in this case, it would have been Pharaoh himself, the ruler of the land. So as you can imagine, the more prominent you were in a role within a kingdom, the more likely you were to get assassinated. So because of that, a cupbearer was important because this would have to be a very, very, very trusted person who would give the cup to the pharaoh and making sure that it hadn't been tainted or poisoned in any way. So in fact, when there was some doubts whether the cup was tainted or not, they would have the cup drink it first to see what happens so this was one of the individuals and the other individual was a cake baker and i probably don't need to explain too much what that person was doing in the land of egypt but making some delicious cakes hopefully but maybe not so delicious that he ended up in prison Uh, So either way, both of these individuals end up in prison, and lo and behold, they meet Joseph there. Now, Joseph is already building a reputation for himself again in prison, and he is brought into a prominent role where he's getting to help manage some of the daily duties that are going on in the prison, and he meets this cake baker and this cup bearer. Now, both of them are plagued with these dreams. Now, they just went through this terrible situation where going from a moment of prominence of being in these important roles to being thrown into prison, and now they're starting to deal with these anxiety-driven dreams over these things that they cannot understand. So Joseph, seeing their distress, decides to listen to their dreams. And he starts with the cupbearer's dream, and the cupbearer explains the dream to Joseph, and Joseph thinks for a second and contemplates what this dream could possibly mean, and he feels like the Lord gives him a revelation. And he tells him the dream, that in a few days the Pharaoh's going to invite you back, and you're going to be restored to your position again. So as you can imagine, this is the kind of dream that you would hope to receive and the kind of interpretation you would want to have if you found yourself in a situation like that. I know for myself, I would love to have dreams that say, hey, things are going to go well for you. So excited about the dream that the cupbearer just received, the cake baker decides, you know what, this guy got a pretty good dream, I should try out Joseph too and see what kind of dream interpretation he gives me, because I want to hear good news as well. So that happens, and the cake baker explains the dream to Joseph, and Joseph says, well, in a few days you'll meet Pharaoh too, but you're going to (laughs) die, and that's the dream. (laughs) And not just die, but die in a pretty horrific way that he'll be impaled. Not the kind of interpretation I'm sure the cake baker was expecting to have. And as you can imagine, time goes by and people are wondering, is my dream going to come to pass? Well, it would happen that both dreams are interpreted exactly how Joseph had said The cupbearer is restored and the cake baker is executed. But on the way out, Joseph asks the cupbearer to remember him. Because he wants to get out of his situation and he knows that he has been wrongly put into prison. So because of that, he asks the cupbearer to remember what he did for him and that he gave him an interpretation to the dream. And unfortunately for Joseph, the cupbearer neglects that and does not remind the Pharaoh at all of what the dream was. So a few years gets goes by and eventually pharaoh finds himself in a situation similar to the cupbearer and the cake baker where he too has a dream and he can't understand it and it's bothering him so much and he's inviting other people in to help interpret the dream that he's having and time goes by to where finally the cupbearer remembers joseph and says i know a guy that's in prison and he interpreted my dream maybe he can interpret your dream as well so joseph is invited into pharaoh's court after cleaning himself up and shaving since he's grown a beard for a while from being in prison and he goes to pharaoh and pharaoh wants joseph to interpret a dream for him And now look at what happens in Genesis 41 verse 16. How does Joseph respond to Pharaoh's request to interpret a dream? Now think about it. You've been sold into slavery. You've been put into a household where you've been accused of a crime that you didn't commit. You've been in prison and you've tried to do your best there, you've helped people out, and nothing has been repaid to you rightly for all of the deeds that you've done. You've lived a life that feels like a reverse Midas touch. And what does Joseph say to Pharaoh? Does he say that he can do it? No, in verse 16 it says what? It says, I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. I cannot do it. Now, I find that incredibly interesting because I would think that in this moment, Joseph would just try to make some sort of excuse up, saying that he could do it, that he would try to just listen to the dream and try to figure out what he can interpret off of that dream just to be able to get himself out of that situation and oftentimes we see people in history who do things like this right who try to fake it until they can make it, or they, they say that they can do something when they can 't, and they try to figure it out how, along the way and order to better their lives but yet joseph is in the worst of situation and he's finally giving an audience with somebody that could radically transform and change his predicament and what does joseph say he cannot do it what should that teach us i cannot do it well, I think in order for us to fully understand it, we need to also hear what Joseph says next. And he replies to Pharaoh saying, I cannot do it, but read this with me, guys. But God will. God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Now, I find that so important So important, especially when we look at the life of Joseph. Because even though Joseph was mistreated for all of the things that he had done, that began with his brothers, the reality is, is that it would seem that if you read the early chapters of Joseph's life, that he did somehow think that the blessings and the privileges of life fell on him. He was so prideful and happy to let his brothers know of the dreams that he had, the dreams in which he was standing taller above everybody else including his father and mother and especially his brothers and if he had not shared those dreams even though those those dreams were truthful in some ways you can say that maybe his life would have looked different but without realizing it the blessings in Joseph's life ended up turning into a vehicle or a mechanism that created a fence in the other's in the lives of others. It's why I believe it's important to think about how we are coming across to other people. You see, there are many people, and I know many people in this room who God has blessed abundantly. Where in our times of congregational prayer, I hear the things that you share and the ways that God has blessed you, and I say praise God to that. But we need to be careful to not use our blessings that God has given us as a way to become prideful with ourselves. To think that the blessings are always a product of our own doing. That we have the Midas touch, and that everything that we do, some somehow is a contributing factor of our own involvement. It's why I think the Bible passage in Ephesians chapter 2 is such an important one, that it is by grace that we have been saved, that it's not one of our own works, it's not a product of our works, but it is a gift from God. Because you see, we have a tendency as people to think that All of the good things that happen in our lives are always a product of our own doing. And don't get me wrong, there is a certain level of truth to that. If you are a person of sloth or a lazy person, you're typically not going to be the person that sees a lot of success in life, right? Because oftentimes in order to reap a harvest, you got to put in some work but unfortunately we look at that causality of us putting in work and things going well as a direct prideful product of our own doing when in reality it's always God that is bringing the blessings amen every good gift comes from whom the Lord And I think that we as people need to live with the kind of mindset that are always thinking about that. Every good gift comes from God. And it's important to do that because I think what ends up happening there is you're able to remain humble. Humility is such an important aspect of the Christian life. Oftentimes, one of the things that I try to pray for in my own life, as well as the life of others, is, Lord, give me a humble heart. Lord, give them a humble heart. Why? Because humble people are oftentimes people who are willing to be slow to speak, or quick to listen, and slow to get angry. Those are the kinds of people who take a moment of pause and say, let me listen and observe. Let me hear what God has to say. Let me see what the Lord is doing. Lord, what are you trying to teach me? And unfortunately, when we are prideful, we oftentimes do things within our own strength. I remember learning this lesson, and don't get me wrong, I'm still learning this lesson, but I remember specifically encountering this situation in my own life years ago. It was around 10 or so years ago, 10 or 12 years ago. I was so excited. I was working at a church that I was thrilled to be at. And I was working, 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 trying to make a name for myself, and I remember the pastor that was over me pulling me into the room, and he said, you know what your problem is? Which, let's face it, that's usually not the best way to start a sentence, right? <laughs> and he says, you think you can do more than you're capable of. And he starts to tell me how good I am at doing a few different things. And I'm starting to wonder where the insult lies in what he's saying. And it took me a little bit to understand it. And what he was trying to say to me is is that oftentimes I was working off of my own might, off of my own capabilities, off of my own training and ability, and I wasn't leaving a lot of room in my life for the Lord to just be the Lord. You guys have so many gifts. God has given you so many things that are a true blessing that if you took the time to take inventory, you can confidently say, wow, God, you've blessed me in this area because I know it. I've seen it. I've seen it. But we need to be careful to, to trace where those blessings come from. And we need to remain humble in posture in order for the Lord to truly use us. Here's the thing, church. I don't believe I could be a very good pastor if I'm a pastor through my own might and strength. If I'm just trying to use what I've learned in seminary or learned from other people and I'm doing it all in my own strength, I might be able to do some good things for a little while... But the reality is, is in order for me to truly be a pastor that I think is going to have the proper impact, then there's a dependency that needs to come from God and only God. And it's the same for all of you. Some of us try too hard to do things on our own strength. And we need to use these moments as opportunities to say, Lord i need you lord help bless this lord be with me as i try to work through this and it's why i think this little verse that could go so unnoticed within the narrative of joseph's life marks a turning point for joseph And I know it marks a turning point for Joseph because as we will see in the coming weeks, every single moment in Joseph's life gets better and better and better and better. I don't believe that just because things are better and better and better and better it means that you're blessed. But there's something here that I think that God wants to see. Because even though the circumstances of life don't always dictate who you are and what's going on. Because God oftentimes can bring us through a storm for a purpose despite sin. I think that this marks a turning point for Joseph where he's finally seeing that God is the one where blessings flow, and that He is just the vessel. I cannot do it, but God will. I wonder how much, how many of us could say something similar when we are doing our various things. I cannot do it but God will. Seeing ourselves as the vessel. That's what Joseph is finally doing here. He's finally seeing himself as the vessel that God uses. And I love that because I think it teaches us what a proper posture looks like. Because here's the thing, church, God loves to use people. We know that because scripture is full of stories of God doing what? Using people. Using men and using women to bring about his purposes. In fact, sometimes I can even read scriptures and wonder why didn't God just do that himself? Because God loves to use people. God is doing it himself, but he's doing it through people. And God wants to do wonderful things through you. You know, earlier on in the service, we during our scripture reading time, Mike read for us Romans 8, 28, and it says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, this is a very popular verse in scripture. A lot of people have this underlined in their own Bibles and I'm sure some of you do, and it's a verse that I would say, please, it's definitely worth underlining. But we oftentimes misapply this verse to mean that whatever we do in life, it'll go well. When in reality, what this verse is trying to communicate to us is that God does not waste a drop of our situation. You see, you might be feeling similar to Joseph where you have gone through experiences that you say to yourself man i have the reverse midas touch or man every time i go through this situation in life i just don't understand why god is punishing me or why god is allowing this to happen when in reality god oftentimes uses situations that are questionable or or, or that we are questioning in order to bring about his glory Now, God is not the one who creates the sin and suffering. That is a result of a fallen world. But God does not waste an ounce of it. Which means that whatever pain you've experienced in your own life, whatever hardships you have gone through or are presently going through right now, that even though God is not the author of sin, He does not waste it. He could use every single aspect of your pain and suffering in order to work it into something beautiful and good. It's why oftentimes some of the most inspiring people in life are usually the ones that have done what? Gone through the most pain because there's something about hearing these stories that connect to us, that reach us, that minister to us. And I believe that in this day and age, God is calling his church to take inventory of those pains. You see, that is a hard message to tell in a world that is stuck on a fence. Because oftentimes we live in a world that tries to do what with offense? Compartimentalize it, create safe spaces where people don't deal with the things that might create harm for them. We worry about triggers and things that can create problems for us because we don't want to touch things that emotionally cause us to deal with challenging thoughts and ideas. And don't get me wrong, there's a certain level of of mercy and grace that we need to have with people that are dealing with trauma and that is very 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 fair that we want people to feel like they're safe but what I'm speaking on more so are the cultural perspective and attitudes to just not even deal with the offenses that we have in life or the pains that we have suffered through when I think that in many ways dealing with that pain of the past or that pain of the present usually gives us an opportunity to do what? To then give it to God and ask God to make it a platform for us, which is, in fact, the big idea for today that pain is a platform. Pain is a platform. Now, you might be saying, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, there are stories in your own lives, things that only you have gone through, lessons that God has given you or wants to give you through the pains and the troubles that you have gone through. For Joseph, it's realizing that he's a vessel, that he can't do things, but that through whose power he can, through God's power. That was his lesson. That was his pain. That he turned into a platform. To bring about goodness. The question now is, is. What is your platform? What is the sufferings that you have gone through? What are the offenses that you've experienced? That God wants to turn from pain. And turn it into something that ministers to other people. You know so often. It's much easier to win an audience with somebody if you've had a similar struggle right it's hard to say to somebody who has faced great poverty or knows what it's like to be hungry and for somebody who has never faced those things to say yep i know the struggle brother it just it doesn't connect as well right Well, in a similar way, God has given you guys different types of stories that he wants to use to be able to reach and minister to other people. Amen? How could you use your pain and turn it into a platform? Well, Joseph, after saying to Pharaoh that he could not do it, but that God could, is given the dream from Pharaoh. And Pharaoh explains the dream to him in verse 17. He says, In my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all of the land of Egypt. I kind of find that a little funny. I kind of wonder what they looked like. (laughs) The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows. Now that would be a picture I would not want to see. And came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell them that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. I'm, I'm sure... Joseph at this point is glad that he didn't say that he could do it (laughs) Because that's a pretty weird dream. I don't know about you, but i've never had a dream quite like that before But amazingly joseph Is immediately through god's intervention able to give an interpretation for that dream And it's a simple one. It's as simple as this Egypt is going to go through seven years of blessing seven years of abundance but and then after those seven years, there's going to be seven years of famine. And the famine's going to be so bad that everybody's going to forget about the blessings. Because all they're going to be thinking about is how bad it is right now. And that's the dream. And from that dream, God is warning these people. And he's allowing Joseph to interpret this dream to prepare not just Egypt but all the surrounding countries to be able to prepare for this famine that is going to come. That's amazing. That's amazing that something like this would happen. And all of a sudden we're starting to see the glimpses of what Joseph's dreams meant decades ago church i wonder what are the dreams and in desires that god has put in your heart what are the things that god has specifically spoken to you about that has been something that you have longed for that you have desired that you want god to be able to bring forth and how are you using those dreams to inform the decisions that you're making today Because you see, I believe that God oftentimes gives us desires not because he wants to torture us with with them, but rather because he wants us to work towards them. You know, one of the bad beliefs out there with some other faiths is trying to actually kill desire you might have heard that from especially eastern religions tend to believe these kinds of things where you try to eliminate desire that desires are a bad thing and if i were to ask you guys i'm sure some of you have heard this before from certain types of belief systems out there the coexist stickers are not really true because every faith believes different things Well, Christianity would teach, I think, in this way, that desires can be from God. You see, church, there are things that God has put on each of your hearts. Things that are good desires that He wants you to work towards. That He wants you to put your hands to the plow with. That despite the troubles you go through, He wants you to actively Engage in, but he wants you to do it with the right posture. He wants you to do it with a posture of creating a platform for Jesus and for his goodness and for all of the things that it means to be able to be a light to others. It's why I believe God has made us so different because we're able to use the things that God has given us as a way to bless others. You see, through this moment, Joseph would eventually know what it's like to not just be a blessing for himself, but a blessing for who? For an entire nation, and for a nation that would eventually end up helping resource other nations. And I wonder what that would feel like to live in a way where you say to yourself, how could I use my pain as a platform? How could I use the blessing that God has given me as a way to bless others? How could I use my desires that I have to be able to meet the needs in other people? Case in point, I have a deep, deep desire to be able to teach people the beauty of God. I desire helping others see truth and helping others see the goodness of God and what they can know about Him. So what do I do with my life? Do I try to kill those desires? No, I believe those desires were put in me. And so what do I try to do as a result of that? I try to work at fulfilling those desires. I try to work at learning how to communicate truth better, about learning how to com- communicate God's beauty better. And I work in a way to fulfill those desires that God has put in me. The only sticky area that we get into is, is when our desires are sinful. And we, when we indulge those sinful desires, above Above the godly desires that he's given us. So what are the things in your life? What are the desires that God has put in? What are the pains that you have? And how can you allow those things to come together in such a way that God uses it for his glory? Don't escape this life without being experiencing what it feels like to truly be a light to the world, a light in somebody else's life because this is how you take offense, this is how you take the things that have caused you pain in your life and you allow it to be a lamp that others can see and be inspired by my hope for you as a way of application for this week is that you would take the time to say to God Lord, there are many hurts in my life. There are many things that I've been offended by. There are many things that have caused me great pain. Some things that I don't even want to think about. Some things that I don't even want to revisit. Lord, I don't want to touch on these things, but God, I want these things to not cause me to be in my own prison. I want these things to instead be freeing for me, But not just freeing for me, but freeing for others. Help me, Lord, to use the desires, the gifts, the person you've made me to be with the experiences that I have. And help me to use those, all of those things together as a way to bring blessings to others. To be a light to others. Amen? I think if we do that, we can accomplish something radical. And the radical nature of all of this is being a light through all of the pain and suffering that we experience. Because that is something that is rare in our day and age. People who allow these culmination of sufferings and blessings and personalities to be a light to others. But I believe that is exactly what God is calling us to. Because Joseph Although he was imprisoned, he was never truly a prisoner. Some of us, however, can oftentimes allow the pains of our life to become a prison cell for us. But I believe that God is going to use this week if we use our time wisely and go to him and present these things to him as an opportunity to bring healing in our own lives, but even greater so, healing in the lives of others because living outward is oftentimes better than just living inward let's pray father i thank you for these great truths that you teach us in your word i thank you father that you never waste a pain and i'm sure lord that there are many people who have felt pains and offenses of life that have caused them to feel crippled by it to be pained in such a way that they don't always know why these things happen and i know at least for myself lord it could be easy to even blame you but i pray father just like for joseph in chapter 41 verse 16 we see a turning point in his character that you would create a turning point in us, that you would help us, Lord, to shift our perspective, to be humble enough to see your goodness and glory in our lives, but also to use and invite you to touch on all of the areas of our own lives that have caused us offense and suffering, and to turn that into something that is truly good. In the ways that only you know how. We ask this in Jesus name. Amen.